Howdy, howdy. Hello, everybody. And this is a prober. To Hi. But it was aliens. Ah. <laughs> the extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe paranormal activity to determine whether this activity really was paranormal. Probe, probe. It's my turn to host this week, and my name is Kevin. That means that alongside me, with no idea what's coming up today, is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. I walk on the moon. Today, we head to Fort George Foreman! Fort George Foreman Island in Florida. This is an island named... Because it's full of cheeseburgers. You've guessed it. After cheeseburgers. No, after Fort George which was built in 1736 to protect the colony of Georgia. Georgia! The year we are heading to today is 1974. Absolute great track, by the way. Georgia. Georgia. Do you reckon I could do a whole episode in his voice? No. <laughs> I don't think you've got the balls to do it. Well, hey, hey, hey. Let's see how we get on. Bet's family were a happy family. All was well for marine biologist, Dad Antoine. Real estate and trucking, business owner Mom, Jerry, and little Terry, 21, and Wayne. Wayne! My name's Wayne! There was also an unnamed sister. Why was she unnamed? All was good. But why was she unnamed? We do not speak of her. Uh... Well, shit. <laughs> you damn asked me a question, I got her answer. Mother trucker. Okay, so we don't speak of her. And you've given me a picture of a house. Quite an old, battered house. So I'm taking it this is the location of what happened today. Mm -hmm. Rather than this is the state in which it was when it happened. Indeed. As I said, at this point in time, all was good. In 1974, all was good. Until one day, in March 1974, catastrophe struck. More precisely, fire struck. The family home was burned to the ground. Nothing was left, or so they thought. I will add that some accounts say that it was a small bushfire by the garden rather than a house fire, and I've just shown Mr Moonwalker a photo of the dilapidated house as it stands today, which indicates that the house didn't burn down. But regardless, as Mr Betts and Terry, 21, assessed the rubble and ruin left behind by the vicious flames of hell, something shiny caught their eye. There was a peculiar metal sphere sat amongst the ashen remains. This thing was slightly smaller than a bowling ball, yet significantly heavier. Dense. Mr. Betts assumed that the sphere was a cannonball from history, Ooh, perhaps left over from Spanish colonizers. But unusually, the sphere was not impacted by the woes of time. There were no rust marks. This thing was shiny. 
Crassus. Meanwhile, cannonballs from that time period would have been iron or stone and never stainless steel or whatever this sphere was made of. The family took the sphere home and when they did, things got weird. Was it a giant ball bearing? Why would there be a giant ball bearing? I don't know. What Same do giant way. ball bearings do? Play marbles with them. What, giants? Didn't you play marbles when you were a kid? <laughs> I did. You had uh, kingsies and queensies. And then you had like... Giantsies. Ball bearings. <laughs> Bowl and ball marbles. <laughs> You rock up the school, all the other kids got standard marbles. You rip out a bowling ball. <laughs> Can't you serious, bitch? They'd have to hit yours like ten times. You just have to hit them once. Destroy them. And uh, I remember loads of times where you'd just be in the garden and then all of a sudden you just see a marble that has been like embedded in the ground because it had been stood like lost to time and stood on. Bring back marbles. Marbles... Games in general, when you were a kid or when we were kids before consoles, I mean, consoles were around, don't get me wrong, we're not ancient, well, I'm not, but we used to play outside when we were young. I mean, we're aging ourselves with marbles here. I'm going to age us even more. To be more. fair, marbles were old when we were young, I'm so gonna I don't age know that we are. <laughs> even more now. Pogs. Pogs, I loved pogs. So, I can you remember the plastic Ziploc? Um, book bags. Yes. I had about six or seven of those filled with pogs. I had one filled with every single pog in the first series of pogs. And uh, my mum didn't want me having pogs. I don't know why. Fucking spoil sport. And uh, she's like a strange one to ban. I think it's because I just kept coming home with more and more pogs. Because <laughs> I was a fucking winner. <laughs> You were stealing them off the other kids. So she um, threw my fucking pogs away. Fuming, son. Damn, Mrs. Moonwalker. Fuming. That's a harsh one. And then it was slammers. Yeah. I... <sighs> slammers. Metal slammers. Mm-hmm. Them were the ones. I remember getting absolutely pissed off because uh, my cousin beat me and nearly won all my fucking slammers. Oh, oh I, like, I never no. played for my slammers. You'd slam the pogs for the pogs, but you're not taking my slammers. I played for slammers. And then I remember winning them back. And I was fucking happy, and then I refused to play again. <laughs> Cut my losses here, I've got my, po- got my slammers back. And you know, the fucking chubby chub metal ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, good days. I liked the series one pogs, the classics. Mm. Did I have cavemen on them or something? Yep. Yeah. Then were the days. And you had Tazos. Yeah. Than Star Wars. Being Tazos. a kid was awesome. Like I say, now like kids are just obsessed with computer games. Just not as varied a world, is there? Nope. I want to start collecting pogs. <laughs> <laughs> After this, we're going to go down to like car boot sale tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, looking for them pogs. You know, once you, them pogs. you have a kid, you're going to have, um, like, whether it's a boy or girl, you're going to force. Force um, pogs on no, them. No, you're gonna force football stickers on them. Just so you can <laughs> get football them. stickers. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about the pogs now. I'm making plans tomorrow morning to find me some pogs. <laughs> gonna buy a sticker book. 
and uh, sick pogs and like, why are you buying that for Kev's kid? <laughs> why is it here? Shut up. <laughs> Have, do you want to play pogs as I've got them? <laughs> Have you uh, got any slammers? Oh, we have gone on a massive we're, tangent here. We're not far off 10 minutes into this episode. We've basically talked about pogs and a bit about a bowling ball. But also, no matter what you have as a kid. That's a weird sentence. Like, I know, you having a kid. Fucking hell. But who'd have thought it worked? <laughs> Little Elton is going to be well looked after. <laughs> I said this to my partner the other day, and she was like, there's no way Granville's calling his kid Jism. You're losing that bet. I fucking will. Your partner would not let you call your child Jism. Got no choice. Just to um, pick up on the wording of our bet, you will call your firstborn Jism. Captain Chisholm. And I will call my child Elton. <laughs> I never said my firstborn. I was trying to... No, I think the message does say firstborn. I was trying to find it the other day. I've got it saved. Oh, good. <laughs> Sadly, I am going to have to lose that bet. I, I did try. <laughs> I've been told I'm not allowed to call the child Elton. It's fine. I will uh, nickname the child for you. Thank you. And I'll nickname <laughs> yours. <laughs> Little CJ. <laughs> Wait until they're like 21. Why does Uncle Kev keep calling me CJ? Because your name's Captain Jism. <laughs> you know, on like yearbook photos, everyone gets like a little sentence after their name. Your child on the yearbook photo. Like you've got most likely to succeed. Going to work for NASA. Your one just says their name. <laughs> Captain Jism. <laughs> their true name. <laughs> Tangent over. Little Terry, 21, happened to have the unusual sphere with him as Terry, 21, was strumming his guitar. Terry, 21, noticed that the sphere was moving of its own accord. To his beat. It was almost as if the sphere was reacting to the music. <laughs> Not only that, but the sphere begun making a weird throbbing noise too. How can an inanimate object both move and make noises by itself? To begin with, this was quite fun for the bets. The family would sit on the floor rolling the ball to each other. You can picture the scene. They're sat there on their butts with their legs out, rolling a ball, and as it rolled, about halfway along, the ball would literally stop, think about it, and change direction, rolling back to the person who rolled it. The throbbing noise also begun scaring the family poodle, who, when near the sphere, would begin dog crying and cover her ears with her paws. Why did the ball roll back? Did it see the person who touched it last? Who commanded it? As its leader? You got a crazy ball with a mind of its own. So yeah, it's quite... I see what you were getting at now, Bushfire. It's quite possible this ball landed from outer space and is a space ball alien. Space balls. 
and um, set the bush on fire. Yeah, it either could have been a craft, it could have been a part of a craft, or it could have been the creature itself. Indeed. Spaceballs. Spaceballs indeed. If every time they tried to roll it to another person, it just rolled back to the first person, then they never really rolled it to each other in the first place. <laughs> the they? one person was rolling it back and forth. To the, they basically had a yo-yo. <laughs> you got five members of family all sat there with their legs together. <laughs> I want to turn. And it's just like, nope. And then what they've done is they switched places and it still went to the original person. It's my ball now. <laughs> the ball's like, F you. By April 1974... This had, of course, hit the local press. Lou Egner, a photographer of the Jacksonville Journal, arrived to investigate, and Mrs. Betts plopped the sphere on the floor. The sphere, as described by Lou, rolled a little forward, then stopped. Lou was unimpressed, but Mrs. Betts insisted, Wait! Suddenly, the sphere turned to the right and rolled about four feet. Then the ball turned to its left and rolled about eight feet. The ball went in a big arc and came right back to Lou's feet. Lou didn't know what to think. I'm just showing Mr. Moonwalker here a headline from the April the 15th, 1974 issue of the St. Petersburg Times as we continue because this sphere really took off and confused people as it did i can definitely see what would be confusing and normally in a case like this we're just taking someone's word for it but there are so many paper clippings of it mm -hmm. that somebody must have seen it i've shown mr moonwalker more than 10 separate clippings from different media outlets i know sometimes news can be slow and they will just take a news story from another newspaper and run it but someone must have seen something we got a space ball this isn't just a story going out and then everyone running with it the st petersburg times outlined that even the navy called this thing the Mexican jumping bean. Yes, the Navy examined it at Jacksonville Naval Air Station. This fear must have been suspicious for the Navy to give a damn. A researcher from research company Omega Minus One in Louisiana, Louisiana, also spent six hours examining the sphere and determined that not only did the sphere generate its own magnetic field but the sphere also excreted radio waves this thing was communicating with something somewhere the Betts family theorized that the sphere was sensitive to solar radiation as it appeared to move more intensely during periods of more intense sunlight at what point did this thing jump? When the Navy were examining it, I guess. Because that's what they called it. And did the Navy weren't sharing their stories. Did it come from Mexico? Did it have a little <laughs> Mexican flag on it? Why is it all of a sudden the Mexican jumping bean? Every time it jumped, it was like, Ole! 
maybe they picked up the radio frequency and this thing was talking in Mexican. <laughs> it was just set to a Mexican radio like, station. Arriba, arriba. Ole. Um, if it was sending out a radio signal to somewhere else, could they follow that signal? Mm, I don't know or that that's quite how radio... Yeah. And so Kind of see where it's coming from. I don't know that they did. Well, I do know whether they did or don't, but I'm not going to comment on that. Yet. Or ever. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the Mexican jumping bee? <laughs> so, yeah, you'd be picking up the radio signal and radio signals would just go out and out across space and time wouldn't they and just fire and then people would know like say if we were listening to our radio station we tune it to that frequency to hear it I'm sure there must be some technology to pick up where it's broadcast from though well where it's broadcast from yes but that broadcast keeps on going so you wouldn't be able to tell where that's going to because everyone would be picking up from where they're picking it up from that's what I get sorry yeah it wasn't Mm -hmm. Radio waves transmitting to yeah. it. It was the other way around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My bad. The ball was next sent via jet to a certain Dr. J. Allen Hynek at Northwestern University of Illinois. Well, I say jet. I've seen two and a half different accounts here and indeed heard two different accounts amongst the five podcasts I listened to on this after writing our own research. So I've come back in and amended this bit. The other account goes that Dr. Hynek was actually already going to be in the nearby area for a press event setting a reward for anyone who could prove aliens exist to a panel of five leading ufologists. It's written that little Terry, 21, and his sister drove out to give the sphere to Hynek. A slight variation on that says that the host of that alien event, the National Enquirer, paid to fly Terry, 21, out to present the sphere to the panel. Regardless, Hynek is looking at this thing. Mm, I'd love to sit down and have a chat with Dr. Hynek. There's no way he's telling you what he's really seen. No, there's not. But could be away if you uh, mibbed him <laughs> if you mibbed him you, you can mib him off i don't know what it means you do so you, you just suggested it, it. you yeah, should be careful you suggesting can mib him don't you want to mib off you can mib you him can, off you can mib him off and uh we can find out but he wouldn't like it if tech. i if i mibbed him off would fucking love it <laughs> But he'd really love it if you mipped him off. Like, <laughs> nah, really, he really. Would. He would. <laughs> really, really? We, really, we, really? <laughs> really, really? We've discussed the um, hardcore UFO world before. They're quite passionate and quite against anyone who, uh, I wouldn't say doesn't believe, but looks to other explanations before looking to the the more outlandish explanations. I wouldn't like, say that we don't believe. I just I'm say not we saying we don't. Truth. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. But the hardcore ufologists out there can get quite angry at people who don't jump straight to alien explanations before looking at other things. I'll fight them. I wonder if any... 
All right, I won't. <laughs> I wonder if any of these ufologists we talk about sometimes have actually listened to our show and have started writing vendettas against us. <laughs> if we went to a UFO... on a hit list if uh, they ever meet aliens. And it, it, it's not even that we don't believe in aliens. It's just that we take convincing as anyone should, really. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be very gullible in life and get yourself in trouble if you don't question things, aren't you? But yeah, if we went to a UFO conference, <laughs> we'd probably have our ass. Well, I'd have my ass torn to pieces. <laughs> You'd be fighting people. <laughs> I'd be like, hey guys, can we just get along? <laughs> Due to being at the event, Hynek was able to study the sphere along with the five other scientists there for that alien reward event. Dr. J. Allen Hynek and co. gave a thorough once over to the sphere and concluded that the sphere was man-made. Ooh. The exact quote was supposedly, None will go so far as to say it's extraterrestrial. They would be putting their scientific reputations on the line! <laughs> now, why is it necessary to add that bit on the end about reputations? If you were certain, wouldn't you just say that it's human made? If you wouldn't go so far as to say that it's alien technology, how far would you go exactly? Far, but not so far. Hmm? There is a rumour out there that Dr. Hynek replaced the sphere with a fake and kept the original. This rumour started because Paul Hynek, son of Dr. Hynek, has stated that growing up his family had a metal ball his father got from a Florida UFO case. Why would Hynek take the sphere? Hmm? Hmm? Now... The bit about putting their scientific reputations on the line. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's almost like a threat. It's just that there's not that extra 10% there where they're willing to take that leap. Mm. They could just be teetering on the edge and they want that extra 10% and it's not there. That's why they're not willing to say it. But they probably believe that it is. <laughs> now, Heineck. What if this metal ball was, you know, like a remote control car? Yep. This is just a remote control oh, sphere oh. that can <laughs> it's be got like controlled. a weight inside of it that can be controlled. Controlled from like, I don't know, various distances. Considering the um, radio signal is going out from the sphere, mm -hmm. it's quite possible that it could other be objects are receiving it and controlling it so if you were to sit in your car and adjust something on your radio and press a button you move the sphere without realizing it and maybe Hynek has one of these but he doesn't have the upgraded one that his family wants so he swapped them out and kept the more advanced one for himself because he's greedy like a bully who came and stole your slammers <laughs> took all your pogs <laughs> but uh... None will go so far as to say it's extraterrestrial. They'd be putting their scientific reputation on the line. That's not saying it's not extraterrestrial. It it's just, just saying that they don't want to put do the reputation it. on the line. Couldn't they just say yes, no, or maybe, though? Um, also, if he 
swap this for a fake one, did the fake one just not work? Because then I'd be asking questions as to why it's not no longer working. Well, maybe. Maybe that's why they think he replaced it. Or maybe because it had been examined by lots of people by this point when it returned to its owners, the fake one. Maybe they just put it in a box somewhere and didn't play with it again because it had already been fiddled with. It had been diddled. i got a question. Yeah. Has, I mean, I should know this, but has Dr. Hynek passed away? I believe so, yeah. Okay. His son's a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> didn't we cover what his son went on to do? Probably, but I can't remember. Predator? Not ringing the bell? No. No worries. I'm now showing Mr. Moonwalker a photo of little Wayne Betts, 12, with the sphere as we describe what this thing looked like. The sphere was 8 inches diameter with no seams, consisting of a shell of very high-grade steel around an inch give or take in thickness. Inside, it was hollow. The sphere had a small triangular mark on the outside. Remember the Navy probed this? The Navy made an attempt to x-ray the sphere and this failed. The sphere was too thick and powerful to be penetrated. A subsequent, more powerful scan showed that the ball had some tiny residue balls inside which moved around freely. Chris Berninger, Navy spokesman, stated that he didn't believe the object to be alien but confirmed that the sphere did move of its own accord. The Navy confirmed that the sphere was not an explosive. What crossed my mind at that point was like a gyroscope, because that's what I'm thinking of. I'm trying to think of... So it's a ball within a ball that spins. Balls within a ball. Or balls within a ball that spin and move. So wherever the weight of those go, they roll towards. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so when they rolled the ball, it went one way, and then the but then those balls were in another position yeah, of the ball, and so they it spun way. and just pulled it back the other way. And then when it rolled and then stopped, and then turned and went back around in a circle, it could literally be where the balls on the inside mm-hmm. were slowly moving back to one side, and then caused it to roll off. Um, so, on that note, how about you eat my ass? <laughs> With a spoon? <laughs> I'm going to cut the last five minutes of this episode. Fuck off. <laughs> the be- I was right! <laughs> going to cut that too. Anything you say from this point forward, I'm just going to bleep over. <laughs> I know the location of the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> the Betts family phone was ringing literally 24 hours per day, and after a year or so, the family got sick of it. The family therefore just flatly stopped talking about or showing the sphere to anyone. Radio silence. They stopped responding. Therefore, 
Today, nobody knows exactly what happened to the Bet Sphere or can be sure as to where the sphere came from. Or can they? I ask you, what else could the Bet's Sphere be? A Jacksonville Equipment Supply Company confirmed that they held in their stock almost identical spheres. The president, Robert Edwards, upon seeing the sphere in the news, contacted reporters to show them his eight-incher, the Bell and Howell stainless steel ball, aka ball check valve, of which the company had many in stock. Basically, these were suggested to be the ball that lives within a ball check valve as used commonly in some pumps and spray devices. We don't have the bet sphere available to examine further today, but we know the sphere's dimensions from previous examinations and it exactly matched the size and weight of one of these ball check valves. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <clears throat> just not going to say anything because you're going to cut it <laughs> I'm going to cut that <laughs> you said right at the start of the show ball bearing it was um, it was looking at the house mm -hmm. for some reason I just imagined like a giant windmill or something being attached to the side of the house at some point and a giant ball bearing being in it there you go. Song of Storms. Yeah, I don't think there was a windmill there, but um, we'll touch upon your understanding there momentarily. I mean, if that's the case, what? I suppose Heineck wouldn't have stolen it then at that point, would he? He may have um, literally been given one at this investigation to prove that this isn't well what we, it is we can't verify that either way he we, might have stolen yeah. it i mean we and can't, this could be the but... cover-up that they um put out <laughs> blue book uh, trust these guys his son's still a snitch <laughs> but you mentioned predator did his son have something to do with predator i might have put this in the notes i've definitely mentioned it before but we'll, we'll discuss that at the end Mainly because I can't remember exactly what he did, but I think I've got a rough idea. Imagine he's part of the team that created Predator from things that his dad has told him. And I'm going to find that fucking hilarious if it's to the Predator that um, Jean-Claude Van Damme was meant to be. <laughs> and then he changed it. <laughs> Serpent snake thingy. Nonsense. But these bull check valve thingies... No one's saying they give off radio communications. Are they giving off radio communications or are they just bouncing back radio communications? That's an astute question, Mr. Moonwalker. So moving on. <laughs> After that Navy investigation, that Navy spokesperson, Chris Berninger, believed that the Betts family home was uneven and suggested that the sphere was perfectly balanced, meaning that even the slightest indentation in a floor would set the ball off rolling or cause a change in direction. Meanwhile, 
The ball had a tiny triangle indentation in it, which could take the ball ever so slightly off balance and result in further rolling. The Betts family didn't want the sphere cut and so declined further Navy tests which would harm the sphere. Even if they didn't know what it was, the Navy were sure it was earthly. It's worth noting that the Betts sphere at times sat on display and never moved when in that situation. It was only when taking out and played with or put on the floor that the sphere behaved unusually. We know pretty much all we need to now, except for its origin. Skeptoid uncovered that an artist collecting metal for sculptures drove through the Florida area during Easter 1971. Summarising this detail, someone noticed some balls similar to the bets in one of the artist's sculptures and asked the artist about them. James Derling Jones confirmed that he collected some scrap metal balls from an old factory and noted that when passing this area of Florida, a few balls fell off the roof of his minibus. Did the bets take one of Derling Jones's balls? I suppose when you think about it, it would be a little surprising if aliens used a steel alloy for their own extraterrestrial spacefaring technology, as the steel would be damaged by the extreme heat during atmospheric entry. That is the case. Not if it was covered in something that burnt away as it entered the atmosphere and then allowed it to drop. Mm. But either way, the triangle indentation was it it was probably it that words probably used as a guiding mark for whatever the ball was used for i'm assuming or it was just chipped one day in a perfect triangle yep. or i suppose if it was used as an i mean art they piece, say it was perfect i mean if it's used in an perfect. art piece he might have uh, put that triangle on it so I think I got my Hynek details slightly wrong. It was Joel Hynek who worked on the visual effects of Predator. Paul uh -huh. Hynek worked on Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> Both uh, uh, sons of J Dr. J. Allen? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul Hynek said, obviously, that oh, yeah, his dad. What about Joel? Boy Joel. I'm 99% sure. Yes, yes. Joel Hynek is the first child that comes up when you Google the children of J. Allen Hynek. The most important one. There you go. And whilst we're Googling, Mr. Joseph Allen Hynek passed away in April 1986. Oh, bloody hell. There we go. Quite a while ago. How have we not known that? Well, we I'm pretty sure we've covered that a few times. Possibly just easy to forget when you cover so many different people like dr leo fart sprinkle for example we haven't seen fart sprinkle for a while that smile that all knowing smile yep he knows what he's done <laughs> puts people under it's like a serial killer but only he's not <laughs> killing people Right, let's get off like Fart this. Sprinkle because <laughs> like he's got nothing to do with this case. Dexter collecting slides. <laughs> he takes photos. He takes stills of people as he bump-offs just at the moment they, they sniff for the first time. 
as it wafts up the nose, flings <laughs> the nose twitch. <laughs> and he snaps it and he's got like a, a murder box of those stills. <laughs> anyway, going back over today's episode, we met the Betts family on Fort George Island, who in 1974 found an otherworldly sphere. The 8-inch diameter sphere moved of its own accord, stopping and changing its own direction on a whim as the family watched on. The press soon heard about it. Jacksonville Journal photographer Lou Egnar visited and witnessed the sphere doing just as people said, moving of its own accord. A researcher from Omega Minus One checked out the ball and identified that the sphere both had a strong magnetic field and was transmitting radio radio waves. <laughs> radio oh, waves, gosh Watts. darn it. <laughs> we don't know who the sphere was communicating with. The Navy, meanwhile, called the sphere a Mexican jumping bean. What did they see? The Navy tried to x-ray the sphere and their initial attempt failed, though they did subsequently confirm that the sphere was made of steel. Bars of steel! The sphere was next given to Dr. Joseph Allen Hynek, who was nearby with a scientific panel on another engagement. The panel would not say that the sphere was aliens that they'd be putting their reputations on the line. Years later, Dr. Hynek's son, Paul, would state that the family grew up with a metal sphere from a Florida UFO case. Did Hynek take the sphere? It's not known where the sphere is today. What is believed, however, is that, sadly, the sphere was most likely a ball check valve which fell off of an artist's vehicle when they were passing about three years earlier looking for scrap metal for sculptures. The perfect sphere with a tiny triangular indentation would likely have rolled as if of its own accord, if on an uneven surface, and the Betts house was probably uneven. Is there anything that you want to go over, Mr. Moonwalker, before we conclude this episode? I don't think Heineck took the sphere as... It is said at the end that they got fed up of the calls and everything, so just point blank refused to answer. So must have been annoying getting those calls like for a year oh, afterwards. A 100%. year, like a couple of weeks, it could be fun. So it's quite possible that that company gave one to Heineck to test between the two, or and he kept it, or did Heineck instigate a cover up? He created a history for a company that never existed. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, are you saying <laughs> that it was aliens? No. This is a wolf check valve. <sighs> Eat my ass. <laughs> did you check out my picture of I, Terry Twenty One? Terry Funk. <laughs> it's got got one of those like piddly double moustaches mm-hmm. with a gap in the middle with his 70s glasses on right <sighs> I'm also not saying that it was aliens this one is actually quite popular in the world of ufology and you can see why if all you hear are the headlines an object that's been witnessed by many to move by itself is pretty unusual 
but when you consider this object as a perfectly round sphere and an uneven surface, that starts to sound a bit less impressive. I think it's probably mainly just the fact that the first Navy X-ray failed that convinced a lot of folks that this sphere was alien technology. That and the alleged radio waves, which weren't mentioned by anyone else who probed this ball. When you look a little deeper though, it's much more likely that the ball was just an earthly ball, so I'm not on board, but I do love that Hynek may have actually grabbed this ball. He took off with it. He was gone! There is a five episode 2019 podcast out there called Oddball, which details this whole case in great, great detail. And season 12 episode 2 of Ancient Aliens also details this sphere. The word is out there, and a lot of people believe this one, but not us unfortunately. That is all we have to say on the Betts sphere. Unless you have any final thoughts, that is, Mr. Moonwalker. I would have liked to have seen them slice it. Yeah, cut it in half. And then, yeah. You sadistic bastard. That could be a living entity. It's a bull bearing. <laughs> it's transmitting radio waves. It's Transformer. It's Optimus Megazord. Well, at that point, it's not the choice to either transform or die. <laughs> it's on you. And that is a wrap for today. Thank Been you. A ball. Thank you, one and all, for listening to our ball on But It Was Aliens. If you're not ready to say goodbye and want to hear some more paranormal shenanigans, you can become a patron of the show. In exchange, you would gain access to our side probes. Monthly bonus episodes that MIBs don't want you to hear, but we do. On the Patreon, we spread our wings just a little bit more and cover some really bonkers stuff. Stuff too much for the ears of the general public. And on that note, if you have any comments or suggestions of unusual cases for us to probe, you can hit us up on, on, that Twitter! on the X Twitter at But It Was Aliens. We truly love hearing from our listeners. We've been going a good while now, but it's still such a such a weird and hard feeling to describe when someone messages us and says the show's helped them in some small way. It is feels awkward talking about it. It is absolutely bonkers. If you're a like-minded, friendly neighbourhood prober, you are invited to our private Nobody Is Welcome Facebook group for all called Extraterrestrial Towers. This is connected to the But It Was Aliens Facebook page and is a pretty relaxed place where we do not discriminate or alienate, but we do alien. That's it from us today, so until next time. What happens if you turn a vegan into a vampire? The truth is up there. Hash... Tag. I also think they'd be fine. Nando.